Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us on Say What Now. I am Keela Crane. Um, it has been, once again, a very trying weekend. Um, I had intended to follow up our stories about uh, the Stanford sexual assault case um, and some other cases uh, that were happening around the country. But, of course, many of us here in the United States woke up to some horrifying news on a Sunday morning that really kind of shook up many of us. I think that um, you almost kind of get tired of hearing some of these stories about mass shootings in the United States. They happen way too often. Um, They happen with no kind of resolve at the back end of it. Um, But yet and still, it keeps happening. You see the president is looks so tired and sounds so tired of sending out condolences to families, to mothers, to fathers, to children, to other loved ones and friends when these mass shootings happen. But ultimately, he represents all of us and the majority of us, the overwhelming majority of us, majority of us are incredibly um, saddened by the events that happen, but also understand that we need to have some type of um, measures in place, some policy measures in place so that this does not keep happening. Um, But before we get into into all of this, I just want for us to keep center in our minds um, the souls that were lost um, in Orlando on June 12th. And so, if you permit me, I'm going to uh, read the names of those who I have um, names for, um, the victims um, of the horrific, horrific uh, massacre in Orlando. Edward Sotomayor Jr. was 34 years old. Stanley Amadovar III was 23 years old. Luis Omar Casio Capo was 20 years old. Juan Ramon Guerrero was 22 years old. Eric Ivan Ortiz Riviera was 36 years old. Peter Gonzalez Cruz was 22 years old. Luis Vailma was 22 years old. Kimberly Morris was 37 years old. Eddie Justice was 30 years old. Daryl Roman Burt II, 29 years old. Dianca Deidre Drayton, 32 years old. Alejandro Barrios Martinez, 21 years old. Anthony Luis Lauren Disla, 25 years old. Juan Carlos Mendez Perez, 35 years old. Frankie Jimmy De Jesus Velasquez, the oldest victim, 50 years old. Amanda Alver, 25 years old. Martin Benitez Torres, 33 years old. Luis Daniel Wilson Leon, 37 years old. Mercedes Marisol Flores, 26 years old. Xavier Emmanuel Serrano Rosado, 35 years old. Gilberto Ramon Silva Menendez, 
25 years old. Simone Adrian Carrillo Fernandez, 31 years old. Oscar Aracino Montero, 26 years old. Enrique Rios Jr., 25 years old. Miguel Angel Oronato, 30 years old. Javier Jorge Reyes, 40 years old. Yoel Rayon Panagua, 32 years old. Jason Benjamin Josephat, 19 and the youngest. Corey James Cano, 21 years old. Juan Rivera Velasquez, 37 years old. Luis Daniel Conde, 39 years old. Shane Evan Tomlinson, 33 years old. Juan Chavez Martinez, 25 years old. Harold Arthur Wright, 31 years old. Leroy Valentin Fernandez, 25 years old. Tevin Eugene Crosby, 25 years old. Jonathan Antonio Camuy Vega, 24 years old. Jean Nieves Rodriguez, 27 years old. Rodolfo Ayala Ayala, 33 years old. Brenda Lee Marquez McCool, 49 years old. Gilmary Rodriguez Sullivan, 24 years old. Christopher Andrew Leonin, 32 years old. Angel Candario Pedro, 28 years old. Frank Hernandez, 27 years old. Paul Terrell Henry, 41 years old. Antonio Devon Brown, 29 years old. And Christopher Joseph Sanfeliz, 24 years old. These are the names of the men, women, sons, daughters, loved ones who were were mercilessly killed Sunday, June 12th in Orlando for no reason. Um... They should have been enjoying the rest of their summer, being able to go back to work, go back to their loved ones, talk about what kind of a night that they had, the fun that they had. Um, instead, you have uh, loved ones trying to pick up the pieces of um, their own lives. You have loved ones trying to uh, prepare to say their final goodbyes to these people that were slaughtered in a nightclub. And the outpouring of support from many communities across the country has been great to see. Um, we woke up to this news again, like I said, on Sunday morning. This happened in the wee hours of Sunday morning about two o'clock in the morning and this assailant, um, this crazy person went into this nightclub, was already in there, was sitting down and drinking and then decided he wanted to shoot up the place. Um, they said that 
from reports that he had two guns and he had another one in his car. Um, he had an AR-15, which is a high-powered semi-automatic rifle. He had another handgun with him, and then he had another gun um, that I'm not f familiar with just yet in his car. And while this is very early on in the investigation, um, this just happened a little less than 48 hours from ago from the taping of um, the show this week. Um, it's it's it's. Um, it can be extremely heavy on the heart that once again, we're having to have this type of conversation about people being killed and access to guns and hatred and um, just all of it wrapped up into one. And so I know a lot of people are not wanting to have the conversation about gun control or lack thereof, NRA, um, that sort of thing. But I think that you can't separate the two out. Uh, you have to talk about the victims. You have to pray and um, grieve, try to grieve with their family members and their loved ones. Um, but in the same breath, in the same breath, their grief should not have been taking place if you had measures in place to ensure that people would not be able to buy semi-automatic rifles such as an AR-15 if Congress was able to reauthorize the assault weapons ban that now Vice President Biden had put into place in the 1990s we may not be talking about this it could be it could very well have happened that this assailant uh, found another way to slaughter all of these people in this nightclub in Orlando. But the fact of the matter is, is that at least it was not this. It was not um, from this, this means. It's such an easy access to such a high-powered weapon and so many, um, so many, uh, rounds of ammunition. The fact of the matter is that I just read all of those names of people who were killed, but that does not include the countless people, or I mean, it's not countless, but the 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 fifty three or more people that were injured, the hundreds more that were not physically injured, but you can it 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 um there's no way to know what kind of a mental and emotional. Um, uh, um, trauma that the people who the other 200 or 250 people that were inside of the nightclub that evening are going to have to experience for the immediate future work very well could be for the rest of their life after surviving such a horrific tragedy um, on Sunday in Orlando and my heart breaks for um, these families and uh, of not only the murder victims and the injured victims and the non-injured victims as well, um, because it's just, it's tiresome. It's senseless. It's ridiculous. It, um, we have to get to a place where we are much more tolerant, that we accept people in the fullness of their humanity um, and that we um, stand up against those who want to ridicule and to criticize and to demonize um, people who 
may not have the same characteristics who who do not define themselves in the same way that you that you define yourself um and i i posted on our uh Facebook page, facebook.com slash say what K Crane, that uh, June 12th is already a horrific a day, a day of tragedy, a day of um, of of terrorism as well. Um, in, in June 12th, 1963, uh, Megra Wiley Everest was killed in the driveway of his home in Jackson, Mississippi. Um, His wife was waiting for him and his children were waiting for him to come home after a night of encouraging and inspiring people there in his hometown uh, to register to vote at a time where uh, black men and women had the right to vote, but the right to vote was not enforced. And through intimidation and other tactics of domestic terrorism, people uh, prevented black people from being able to uh, register or cast their ballot. And Megra Evers, who happened to be uh, the field secretary for the Mississippi NAACP, thought it not robbery to go out um, into all different places in the, his home state of of Mississippi um, and register people to vote and encourage register people to vote and encourage people to vote. Um, and because of this, uh, Byron De La Beckwith found a shotgun um, or had a shotgun and used it to shoot. Uh, Mr. Evers in his back um, and as he tried to climb to um, the footsteps of his home um, he died there in the driveway in front of his children in front of his wife um, I, I've had the, the great honor and privilege of being able to meet his widow uh, Mrs. Um, Merle Evers Williams uh, on a couple of occasions um, the embodiment of grace and beauty and class um, in the face of tragedy um, Mrs. Evers, after that tragedy, uh, moved uh, from from Mississippi to, I believe, California, where she re- was able to resettle her life with her children. Um, after after what happened on June twelfth, so June June twelfth is no, um, is is um is very familiar with tragedy and very familiar with, um, heartbreak and sorrow, um, in the wake of of people's um inability to see the hum- the humanity in us all and to ensure that all of us have equal rights in this America uh, that we call the land of the free. And so, so some 52 years after, uh, we are once again um, demanding that all of us have the ability to live out our lives as we um, believe that um, the creator has for us to live. And even if you don't, and even if one doesn't believe in a higher being, um, however you deem to live your life, however you de- deem that your humanity is set apart from uh, each one of us, and uh, who you, the fullness of who you are, um, you have the right to to be just that. You have the right to experience and live in that way until you come come into some higher understanding if you should ever come or need to come into a higher understanding you have the ability to live your life or should be able to have you live your life um, one should not be scared to be to go into a club or go into a theater or go into a church without um with 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 a with some trepidation that um something evil some evil will be lurking in the midst or in the shadows and uh and take away one's um 
one's innocence almost one's um carefree attitude carefree spirit um but as these instances keep happening and keep happening in places that you don't anticipate that them that they would be happening um it shrinks the pool of places that we feel comfortable going um First, it was high school. Like I, I think I've mentioned here before that I was in high school uh, when the Columbine shooting happened in 1999 and the fear that it struck through many of us um, in my school and in schools around the country to the point where uh, places that didn't typically have um, that did not typically have metal detectors decided to uh, bring medical metal detectors where they um, began to lock doors that doors weren't locked before. Um, then you move to the Virginia Tech shooting. Then you move to um, the Sandy Hook massacre. You talk about the Aurora, Colorado shooting, uh, the shooting at Fort Hood, the shooting um, recently um, in San Bernardino at a holly, holiday party, the shooting in Charleston um, at Mother Emanuel Amy Church, the countless shootings and um, in terroristic activity in black churches all across the South, whether it be um, going into the church or whether it be burning down a church or whether it be uh, burning across outside of a church. Just the innocence of people being able to live carefree lives has continuously been snatched from all Americans um, as far as the eye can see. Um, but it, it just... Um, it is painful to know that this is another place um, that is no longer uh, going to be f going to feel like a safe haven, not only for the LGBT community in particular, but just folks generally. Um, but please make no mistake about it that this was a tar it, it, this has all the signs to be a targeted attack targeted attack upon the LGBT community because there's no other reason why why would uh, one run up into an an LGBT uh, LGBT um club except for this reason typically when you're when and I'm no terrorism expert obviously but it seems to me that when they are, when you see terroristic cap activity happening across the globe it's in particular spots um that have significance um for a for the country sector when you're talking about what happened here um on september 11 2001 what consequently happened in london then what happened in paris what happened um in um brussels what happened um in several other places um, across the globe or particularly in uh, what we call the West. But also um, you have the issues all across the Middle East and in the Arabian Peninsula where people are being slaughtered all the time, where you have folks, um, you know, just being in fear all the time. Um, but those are usually pointed the 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 instance the instances that have happened have been um typically in places that are important to the country so it makes no sense unless you're really trying to target the LGBT community that this would be at a gay nightclub i mean that that's the only kind of conclusion that i can come with is that um not only was it uh, an, an anti LGBT 
um, stance that this shooter, this assailant was trying to take, but even could be, um, you know, an anti uh, Latino, anti Mexican, anti um, in, in that kind of a way, because it was Latin night. Um, and so as you as you saw or as you heard uh, many of the names that I that I uh, read to you um, speak of a, um, a a heritage either whether it is a Latino or Hispanic or Mexican heritage it seems like uh, many of those persons and of course it's in Florida so Florida is very diverse and has a really large uh, Latino Hispanic um, population and so there there could be um, you know, th- there's obviously that, um, but it, it was particularly Latin night. Um, and so that I don't think that that should be missed in the kind of conversation that we're talking about. But, you know, I, I really think that we have to have a, some type of a conversation about, again, how do we treat each other? Um, a lot of the conversations that were happening in the past 24 hours or 36 hours since um, this tragedy occurred are very concerning, as someone who has been steeped in civil rights movements and the civil rights justice um, arena for the better part of my adult life, um, I'm very concerned when when particularly marginalized people want to then demonize other marginalized people um, the, the, and, and, and failing to realize the intersectionality of people's experiences. Um, there are black and there are people who are not only that are black and LGBT. There are people who are black, LGBT and Muslim. There are people who are Muslim and LGBT and maybe white. There are people who are um, LGBT and Muslim and uh, and um, of an Arabic ethnic ethnicity or Middle Eastern ethnicity. Um, there there are so many overlapping. There's LGBT black and women. Um and so to either say that we're only going to be fighting black issues or not LGBT issues or only champion black issues, but not LGBT issues asks people to cast aside a part of them instead of looking at the humanity of us all, as we have been saying um, that we have got to see people as they are, not as we hope them to be. Um, and I, and not only that, but we have to see each other in each other. That I see not past what I don't like of you or what past what um, I may not understand about who you are, the fullness of who you are, but I see you and I appreciate the fact that you have the unfettered right to live and breathe and move and have your being as, um, in my case, as in God, as how God has created you to be and how you understand yourself to be. Um, We have to get to this point. Our nation really, I think, is at, you know, across once again, that how are we going to move forward as a nation? Irrespective of the fact that this is a presidential election, I think that this is a very pivotal time in our nation's history that we really need to figure out, are we going to continue to move forward as um, a people that is that are more tolerant of um, 
of of people who do not fit what what the society has deemed uh, for so long as normal or typical? Or are we going to retreat back kind of like what happened after um, the short period of reconstruction that we went way back almost into the enslavement period of our history where people of color were prevented from serving into the house or serving in, um, in elected, uh, elected positions. You had the Jim Crow laws, etc. cetera. Um, we really need to be clear about what we want to do. Um, and those who are silent, those who fail to, to speak up, you are siding with those who would like to oppress people. You have you have a voice for a reason. You have thoughts. You have the ability to lead people for a reason, whether it's just you and your crew in your hometown or whether it's tens of thousands of people across the country and around the world. You must stand up for what is right, what is fair, what is just. You must stand up so that all people um, in this country are protected to the fullest ast- extent of the law, that the laws from Congress all the way down to city council, city councils across the country or city ordinances have measures in place to protect all people, whether um, it is discrimination based upon race, on gender, on sexual orientation, gender identity, all of it, all of it needs to be protected, all of it defines or it makes up who we are and nobody should have the right to be able to discriminate against anyone else on any basis we must be that country we have to fight we have to put a stake in the ground and say we are that country we truly are the country that is supposed to be the standard bearer that's supposed to be the shiny city on a hill as president reagan once said the example for all other countries. We cannot be the example for all other countries when we continue to slaughter our own people without any type of recourse. We cannot be the city on sitting the shining city on a hill when we allow children to be slaughtered mercilessly and nothing happens. We cannot be the example for the world on how to live with with each other with one another when you're we are constantly in conflict about stuff that people cannot change we are constantly in conflict about race we're constantly in conflict about sexual orientation we're constantly in in conflict now about people's gender identity when that all of those things make up a person are immutable facts i cannot change my race i cannot change um, my sexual orientation. I cannot change who I feel I am inside my gender identity or wherever I land on this spectrum. That's who I am. That makes me who I am. And for us to continue to have such hatred, such um, lack of understanding and lack to care of understanding of people and what makes us different, but what makes us great, then we will continue to be here. We will continue to have these long conversations and what happens. And um, I'm, you know, sending prayers and condolences to families and loved ones when it was as simple as just saying that I see you. 
I see you point blank in the period. So I, you know, I just, um, you know, I just, I don't, um, it's just really at a loss because you just don't know how, how many people are affected by this. It's, um, it's so tragic. It's so unnecessary. It's so foolish. Um, but I, all of those people that those names uh, that I read off uh, at the top of the show um, could have changed the world for the better, could have unlocked um, the mysteries of disease and illnesses um, in this land and across the country. All of those people could have raised children to um, to be better, to go further, to push our country into a better light. But because of one man's hatred for their community, for our community, all of those lives were snuffed were snuffed out, including his own. We have to we 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 have to be a better we have to be a better people than this. We just we have to find a way to be a better people than this. We have to find a way to hold our elected officials accountable. We have to find a way to ensure that we are protecting our citizens. It just has to happen. And I think that, again, we're at a crossroads and we need to figure out which way we're going to go. And then, of course, I am reminded that... um, This Thursday is the one-year anniversary after uh, the Charleston Massacre uh, where a gunman went into Mother Emanuel AME Church and killed nine people, nine people who just wanted to go and worship. Um, The juxtaposition of these two things is very interesting, Um, but... We may not really have enough time for that. I think after um, after that shooting last year, I wrote an article for The Root magazine that talked about the history of um, black churches in general being um, a target for violence and hatred. Um, but it's very interesting for these two things to happen within the same um, week tragic probably is a better word than interesting but I I think it's interesting too because both sets of people both the Charleston um, worshipers in Mother Emanuel and um, the folks that were in nightclub in Orlando just were trying to live their lives they weren't trying to bother anybody they weren't trying to um, demagogue anybody they weren't trying to do anything except live the way that they believed they should live one was trying to get closer to their faith and to their God by going into a Bible study to be to learn one was trying to go into a place where by all accounts was a sanctuary for the LGBT community um, in Orlando to be able to be free 
and have fun and to live without the pressures of the outward society looking down upon them and um, being critical of them and their expression of um, who they are. Um, both of those things are interesting, um, even though they're in completely different types of buildings. And then in both instances, the shooter, the gunman, sat in there with them for a period of time. In Dylan Roos case, he sat in there for over an hour. They welcomed him into their space at Mother Emanuel. And despite their welcoming nature, despite the fact that he did not look like a person that typically was at um, their Bible study, they welcomed him. And what they were, what did they receive from their openness, from their love, um, was gunfire, was being slaughtered in church. Same with the gunmen at uh, the nightclub in Orlando. He was in there from from recent accounts, and again, this is very early on in the investigation, but from recent accounts, he was there for hours or, 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 or for a, a significant period of time at the club, that he frequented this club. And then fired rounds and multiple rounds into people who welcomed him into their space, into their sanctuary, as it were, to their safe haven, to the place where they were able to connect with like-minded people. It's uncanny. It's uncanny. Um, the link, the, the, the psychosis of someone that has to be able that, does something like this that um, can sit and be with and um, speak to potentially or be around people and not change their mind and not look within themselves and decide that this, I can't do this. I may have thought about this, but I've been with these people for over an hour. Or I've been with these people f multiple times and saw them living and laughing freely. I, but of course, that would take a rational mind. And th these, these gunmen, both of them are terrorists, um, as I said, um, and not because of what their names are or their religious backgrounds, obviously, because they don't share either. Um, but what they share is an un, unadulterated, unfiltered hatred for people who are not like them and who stroked fear into particular communities. After the Charleston Massacre, you saw so many churches, so many black churches hiring uh, security guards 
So many people being afraid to go into their churches or looking for the closest exit into their churches. Um, the the sanctity, the the innocence of being able to, as I think I said before, going into a space and knowing that you're safe. At least I can be safe here. But again, we saw that happening, um, that that innocence being chipped away when uh, a gunman went into the Sikh temple in, um, I believe, uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, or outside of Wisconsin, outside of Milwaukee in Wisconsin, and shot up that temple. And people going into mosques um, and doing all sorts of hor- horrendous things to the mosques as if all Muslim people are are responsible for the acts of people who don't even, they don't represent the Islamic faith at all. At all. Um, I, we really do have to figure out how we can be a better nation, period. And... It's not going to come easy. It's not going to come quickly. But we have to keep moving this country forward um, because the lives of innocent people who very, who could be steeped in politics or not engage at all, but the lives of just American citizens, people who are visiting this country, are at risk if we just don't do anything. Um, so... Um, I definitely want to uplift uh, JetBlue. I saw that um, they are giving away, and I hope this is true, and it wasn't just a um, a sick kind of a meme on the Internet that JetBlue is giving away free uh, trips from anywhere JetBlue flies to Orlando for a family, um, close family of the victims of this uh, massacre. Um, I saw that several um, restaurants and stores were donating water and food to some of their first first responders um, on Sunday. And uh, that definitely shows some of the best of our community. Um, But we can't do it just in the immediate aftermath. We need to do it um, all the time, more often, uh, because... It's not just in the tragedy that we should see all of our humanity. We should see, see each of each person's humanity every day. Um, so my prayers and my thoughts and my condolences go out both to all of the family, the friends and the loved ones of each of the persons that I named in the beginning of this show. They also go out to um, the families of the Emmanuel Nine that will have the most somber of anniversaries on Thursday and my continual prayers go to um, the Evers family uh, for dealing with this type of hate for the last 52 years. And hopefully there they can give us some semblance of how to emerge um, better, greater, stronger out of a horrendous tragedy. That is my prayer. And again, next week we'll we'll follow up on. Um, there's a lot of cases that are happening now. Um, 
one of the officers, Officer Cesar Goodson, is on trial um, currently um, related to his um, his actions or inactions um, with Freddie Gray in Baltimore. Uh, we will continue to follow up on the Stanford rape case um, out in Palo Alto, um, and uh, whichever, and we'll also be looking at um, some sports-related news um, related to uh, Richard Sherman's comments, uh, the cornerback from the Seattle Seahawks, Seahawks, um, his comments about um, taxpayers paying for. Uh, paying for stadiums. Um, very interesting comments there. We'll talk, we'll kind of preview the NFL season. Um, hopefully I'll be able to, we'll talk to a friend of mine who is a sports writer and is based in Orlando uh, to talk about his thoughts about, about sports and about how his community is doing um, in the aftermath of this massacre. So um, hug someone a little bit tighter after listening to this great podcast and we'll see you back next week.